guess who's back? I finished up my projects that I was working on, and my hiatus is over. So it's time to get this insurance party cracking. Welcome to the Ultimate Insurance Agency Podcast. Planet of the Agents. Planet of the Agents. Where we give you the real scoop on being an insurance agent and running an agency. This show is all about helping you focus on earning more money as an agent and building your own insurance empire. Empire. Here's your industry-leading host who has generated tens of thousands of insurance leads. This is Dave Baker. Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining me once again on another episode of Planet of the Agents. I am, as always, ecstatic to be here with you and incredibly happy that you are joining me for another episode. As a quick reminder, feel free to send me your ideas, your comments, your insights, or even your life advice. You can email me directly at dave at planetoftheagents.com. Once again, that is dave at planetoftheagents.com. Today, I want to get into something that I think is incredibly important and that I see just too often lacking from insurance businesses. And of course, by that, I specifically mean insurance agencies. I cannot tell you how important it is to have what I'm going to discuss today and how frequently I hear people tell me that they don't have these in place. So what is this top secret thing we're going to talk about? Well, it's those darn SOPs. Do you know what an SOP is? It means standard operating procedure. This is something that you need in your business. First of all, just think about this. Ask yourself a question. Do the big companies have standard operating procedures? Does my competition have standard operating procedures? Probably. So the question is, well, why do I need standard operating procedures or SOPs? Well, let's get right into that. There are a few key reasons that you need to implement these SOPs in your business. Number one, which I consider important in the modern world, is efficiency. When you have a standardized way of doing something that is repetitive and can be checked over and over and over again with the system that you're using or can serve uh, your people or your yourself if you're a one-person business as a checklist of what to do, it dramatically increases your efficiency because you don't need to spend time coming up with what you're going to do in each different scenario. Number two, I find this to be one of the most important things that rivals number one, particularly in the insurance business. Standard operating procedures help you reduce errors on repetitive tasks. Now, I've used the word repetitive task already twice in this episode. What am I talking about? I'm talking about those little tasks that you have to do over and over again, probably every day or at least every time you write a new policy or you provide service to a customer or when someone calls in to ask a question. In insurance, as someone who works in an agency, you're probably constantly worried about errors and omissions. You know, those secret little letters we all love to mention, E and O. So one way that you can reduce errors is to create a standard procedure for things that you do. And it's most easy to create these procedures on repetitive tasks. See, 
one thing that actually makes running an agency or even doing sales kind of difficult is that you're not always selling the same type of insurance and you likely have to ask different questions and have different procedures. But even though it's not always possible to create a standard operating procedure for every single different type of product you have, it can certainly be done for many of the touch points you have with a customer. And I mean through the whole life cycle, okay? That means from when you acquire a new customer. No, let's take it a step back. Let's go back in the womb. From when you get a lead to when you acquire a customer to when you close the account to when you have perhaps some sort of discussion annually to a cross-sell opportunity to the smallest customer service. By creating a simple and easy-to-use standard operating procedure, it will make your life so much easier. Let's talk about number three. Standard operating procedures can help you when you need to audit your files or if you get audited. Now, people hear the word audit sometimes, and if you're new in business, you might be thinking, I'm talking about your taxes. And while that might be some issue for some people, that's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about a carrier audit. From time to time, your carriers might say things to you like, please send us a copy of of 20 of the following applications that you kept for your records. They might choose a random sampling of your policies. Let's say you have a thousand policies with a carrier. They might want to check 5% of them or 50 of them. And they probably give you a window of time when you can send that information. So let's say they give you a month to, to send it. Well, if you had a standard operating procedure checklist when you sold the new policy, you would have probably included on there uh, get client application signed and then retain it for the file. Now, depending on how detailed you want to go, I like to have things like file naming conventions. If you're not familiar with that term, that means how you name the files in your system. If you're still using, dare I say, a filing cabinet, then it's going to be a little different. But I believe most people today are probably doing some sort of electronic uh, filing system in some sort of cloud computing system. So it reduces the chance that you'll be missing something when you have an audit. Now, the other term I mentioned is when you do an audit, depending on the size of your agency or your level of detail, you might actually go through your last uh, sales for the month and confirm that you've received all of the necessary documents and photographs or inspections or other corrections that were required to close out a file. If you can audit your files, it really helps you to, as we mentioned, of course, reduce risk, but also just to make sure that everything is done correctly. And if you have a team working under you, you can also look at their work that's based on a defined list of items. For example, you might have you know f five things that have to be done for every new policy. And you can even create an Excel file, or if you have to, a paper list, and then you can check it off each time it's done. And until then, the file's not complete. Let's move on to item number four about standard operating procedures. Why do you need them? Well, it makes training easier. Let me give you an example. When you have someone new or you have someone helping you, heck, it could be someone in your family helping you who's going to come on board for a few months, or it could be a trainee at your office. It could even be an intern. When you need to do training and you can just pull out the operating procedure, you can say, hey, how do I do this? It's easy. Just follow these instructions. I have written 
so many procedures in my life. I have tried different titles and different things to make them fun. And if you work with them a little, you can make them interesting. I like when they're color-coded. I think it's really cool when you have like a green light that shows up on your screen to say that the file is complete or you've done the required tasks. Um, but even in the simplest form, even if you just have a paper that you print out and keep on everyone's desk or their home desk these days, obviously, it, it can just make things easier. So when someone comes on board, the training process can start or at some point reach a level where you can say, here is a procedure to do the following. If you're in personal lines, maybe you'll say something like, here are the intake questions that you have to ask every single person who contacts us. Or in commercial lines, you could say, here are the rating factors and some other things that I need to gather every time I want to get a quote. Having created these myself, I can tell you that it makes it so much easier to uh, train someone, to teach them the process, or even give a new task or start the process of teaching someone a new set of skills who already works with you. It doesn't just have to be used for new people. Let's look at an example. Let's say that you have someone who works in personal lines, but you really want to get into commercial and you want to bring them on and your personal lines of sale, uh, sales have slowed. And now you, you need to talk about commercial lines. The person who's already worked on personal insurance has some knowledge of insurance, of course. And so now they're going to jump into commercial and you could say, well, look at the, this list of operating procedures or a guideline, if you want to call it that. See, you're just going to ask these questions instead. It's a little bit different and you're going to have to get some additional documents. So you'll notice on the list here, it looks different than the other one. And they can kind of pick up from that really quickly. I find this just so incredibly helpful um, to have this. And you, you can do it for a lot of things. Right before I started uh, working on this episode, I was talking over the concept of renewals. And if you work in commercial renewals, you know that there is often more paperwork uh, than personal lines. So I was talking to someone about how they were writing their procedures, and she had said that she had written a general guideline. I said, well, how general is it? Is it literally step-by-step, step, or is it just a generic concept? And then I asked her, well, if somebody read this, could they literally complete the task that you, at hand? And I saw the light bulb turn on, of course, and I heard her say, hmm, meaning probably not. So when I write out different kinds of procedures, I have a different level of detail I provide. So I'm going to go into that a little bit more in a second here. So let's talk about the, uh, the final item. This is one I love. You know I love to measure things like how much money do you make per client? Is XYZ item worth your time? Or should I be selling this type of policy? If you ever want to ask yourself that question, just remember what I told you about all those micro policies I sold making 10 to 20 bucks and how much time I spent. Uh, that's in a previous episode. And if you can't find it, just uh, send me an email real quick at davidplanetoftheagents.com. Number five item that I cannot mention enough. Standard operating procedures help you determine the number of steps and the time required to take a transaction or to complete a transaction or to take a person from a lead to a sale or to even take a small transaction that you think is tiny and uh, see what the whole process is like. Ask yourself this question. How valuable is your time? Let's look at this example. 
if during the process of a sale, you write down every single thing that you had to do and you measure the amount of time that you had to commit to it, you can really do an analysis. I was doing an analysis of a small policy that I was working on and it took me 97 steps to sell a policy that earned $50. And by earned, I mean that I, I would I would earn $50. Or in some cases, for some of you, that might mean the company earns $50, and then you might work on a 30 to 35 or 40% commission. Let, let's go big. Let's say you get 40%. So you make 20 bucks, and it took 97 steps. Now, when I say a number like that, you might say, well, how is that even possible? How could it have taken you 97 steps? So keep in mind that I'm starting from a point where I have received an application to get a quote for a certain type of business insurance. It was a general liability policy for a certain industry. First, I received the application, and I had to add the information to a system, like a CRM system, or you might call it agency management. Uh, might be an online system you use. Then I had to review the application. I considered that one step, even though it took a minute. Then I had to ask a series of follow-up questions because the person did not provide the information that's literally required on the application to get a quote. You know, it's one thing if you skip an obscure question where you can come up with a logical answer and then you could let someone know that the quote is subject to this question being accurate. It's another thing when they leave off the key number that prices the insurance or is the rating factor. I'm not going to go through all 97 steps, but let's go back to uh, after that. So I entered the information. I had to send a follow-up email. And I had to send two more follow-up emails. Then I had to get the quote. Then the quote had to be amended two times. After that, I, I'm going to skip forward here. There were some small steps in the middle, but let's skip forward. Um, I throw in there one where I had to do some calculations for the taxes. Now, there's sometimes you can do a calculation in your head, but in this case, I had to either prepare a spreadsheet or I had to uh, use a, a service that I may have. So when you add those together, you've already jumped up quite a bit. Now, after I sold the policy, I had to compile the application that was signed and uh, the files were sent to me out of order. I had to correct that. I had to save them in our cloud computing platform or a file repository, as you might call it. <sighs> Should we keep going? I had to put the data now for the new policy back into the CRM system, add the policy number, the carrier, the type of insurance, and the expiration date. I just considered that one step because it felt like just one step. Uh, I even had to click save on the screen for a minute. That was another, another click. Takes another millisecond there. Then, of course, I had to prepare the policy a little bit. I had to go from a binder stage to a policy stage, prepare a cover letter. Because I was doing something in surplus lines, I had to look into the tax filings. It had to be filed. Uh, money had to be collected. Then the money has to be distributed. You have some money that's allocated to commission. You have some money that's allocated to paying a carrier. You have some money that goes to paying uh, taxes. So just rambling away here, I've probably mentioned 20 or more steps. So the whole process probably, you know, in this case, I actually considered it fairly easy, and it took me, I'm going to say, 45 minutes. Let's say between a half an hour and an hour, because, of course, there were some follow-up emails as well. 
And a lot of times you're not completing the entire task in one fell swoop. You're not doing it all in a series. You know, there's back and forth with your client or if you're a wholesaler, there's back and forth with the agent. And, you know, you might bind the policy, then you have to wait for payment. Um, then you realize that the agent forgot to collect the payment. Or if you're an agent, you might have forgotten to collect the payment. Oh, did you catch all that? Could you recite it back to me, forward and backward? So it's time to ask yourself that crucial question. Let's round up just to make it more interesting and say it took an hour. Is your time worth more than $50 an hour? Now, before you just jump and answer that, you might say, well, I know people who make $10 an hour. In some states, there are people who make $7.50 an hour. In some states, there are people who make $15 an hour minimum wage. But uh, you're not trying to make minimum wage, right? Because I don't think that I am, and you certainly are not either. So when you look at the $50, you have to ask yourself, well, how much did I net? Not how much did you gross, how much did you net from this? If you have a commission split, that's one factor. If you're a business owner and you have 30% overhead, that's another factor to consider. And then that leads me to my next question. Could I have done the same amount of work and made $400 in one hour? I would bet there are a lot of you out there who could do that or who do that all the time. I know there are some listeners out there who probably only work on minimum premiums of $10,000 or in some places you have fees depending on where your agency is located or I'm sorry, rather where you sell the product, not where it's located. Um, so if you think about that, depending on your business model, you could have made eight times the amount of money in the same hour. Wow. Now, does that mean you can make $400 an hour, eight hours a day, five to seven days a week? No, it doesn't necessarily mean that. But that's something to really consider. That's why I'm constantly looking at how much time does it take me to complete a certain task and what is my reward for completing that task? There are a lot of different theories and different ways that you can analyze this stuff, but I just want to look at it from a simple point of view. Now, by having the standard operating procedures, I can say, for example, if I had an agency and I needed to change a car, I would have, say, 15 steps. You might think it's just a quick add and delete on your screen, but is that really what it is? Don't you have to send a confirming email to the client or perhaps get a, an electronic signature? Don't you have to do something to have it in writing? and then file it, and then log in again to download the new ID card if it doesn't generate a real ID card right away and only generates a temporary card. There are a lot of little steps. And another problem is that it's not always a completed process right after you do the steps. That's what gets me. So start looking at two different things. This is going to be a two-part episode, so we're going to talk about the different types of tasks you need this for. But while you're thinking about this, okay, I want you to look at two different things. One is what procedure can I write down to complete a variety of tasks that are repetitive and that often someone will probably do for you? Number two, I want you to look at how many steps does it take to complete a transaction? So that can be any kind of transaction, okay? You can look at it on a macro level where you're going to say, from the customer life cycle's beginning to end, for example, it might take me, um, 
That, that could be thousands of steps. Let, let's start a little smaller here. From the point where I receive a lead and that person becomes a client with a bound policy and I don't need to do anything else at that point uh, unless they call for customer service. How many steps does that take? I can think of times I've seen these 14-page supplemental applications for commercial insurance and thought to myself, this application has 100 questions on it. Are we going to count each one of those as a step? Because who on earth is going to fill this out if they don't have a huge company or someone to handle this for them? So again, you're going to look at from the time it becomes a lead to the time it becomes a closed sale, and you no longer have to do anything for the initial sale. So if you're looking at uh, situations where you receive only a binder and then you have to get a policy and then you have to like maybe stamp that policy or you know put your logo on it uh, on a cover page or you have to prepare it and then have an email available look at all that that's a key thing to determine how long it's going to take you and the the value of each policy and then again with the standard operating procedures when you're writing them out ask yourself how long is it going to take for someone to do one of these things now, here's the deal. You know there's some things you simply have to do in your business. You, you can't get out of them. For example, if you're an agency that has to service a policy, you need to service a policy. You, know, you have a customer. You, you, you need to service them. But if there's an opportunity where you can move it to a service center and perhaps you give up a little bit of commission, maybe you might determine, wow, this takes like 30 steps and it takes 45 minutes to do something where I don't make any money. In fact, what if you're doing something that re results in a refund of premium, a return of premium? What if you have a seven-car policy and you're deleting three cars or you have a multi-location commercial policy and all you're doing is removing them? You might look at it and say, gosh, well, how much do I make and how long does it take to service this policy and how much time and money and effort is this taking? It's mind-boggling when you really research this stuff. For me, it was eye-opening. I was awakened by this. I changed my business. It was amazing. And you know what? I'm going to tell you something very positive. I am much happier today with what I'm doing than all of the micro tasks that I was doing in the past. Even when I had people uh, assisting me more, and let me rephrase that, even when I had more people assisting me, the number of tasks that we all had to do was, was insane. It was, again, mind-boggling. And there were so many micro tasks that were constantly needing to be done. I say micro tasks because they're just these little things where you'll need to log in, click a button, put in a date, click submit, wait. It's just a, it's just a small micro thing that you have to do over and over again. I'm sure some of you out there know what I'm talking about. I would bet a lot of you know what I'm talking about because the more I talk to agents, the more I hear complaints about these types of things. So you know what I'm always being told? Don't complain if you're not going to change it. I think it was maybe 10 plus years ago I woke up and said, they're right. Don't complain about it. Ask yourself this question. Can I change it? Okay, if you can change it, then let's go to the next question. How can I change it? And can I make it better or can I not? Then there are other things in the business that you'll have to deal with. Is it something that I can never change no matter what and I have no say in how this procedure is done? And so be it. You have to make a decision again. Should I continue to do the type of business that requires me to do a certain task that is daunting or time-consuming or <laughs> creates this, what's this term I like to hear now, uh, negative income? 
I usually think of it as a loss or expense, but uh, some people I've been hearing use the word negative income. It's like I had to do seven more hours of work on this policy where I made $50. I'm clearly at a loss because I value my time at, let's hypothetically say, $75 an hour. So it's, uh, it's quite an interesting way to look at things. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, I don't want to make intake forms or I don't even know how to get some of these quotes. Well, of course, I've got good news, right? I've created a bunch of them, and you do have them on the planetoftheagents.com website when you join as a member. Uh, you get access to a few of my favorite intake forms, and if you choose the annual membership, you will actually get many more. Um, it's, a, it's a great way to get started, and I'm also updating them for myself, so I obviously I'm going to upload them to the website from time to time and add new ones. In the commercial world, we're seeing some new types of businesses, and I'm also just seeing some new questions on old, um, on old world businesses that we're now seeing new questions for. So I'm updating my forms, and I'm happy to share those with the members. Of course, you know you can go online and you can join today at www.planetoftheagents.com. So this is going to be a two-part episode, as I mentioned. This was part one of those gosh darn SOPs. In the next episode, we're going to talk about the types of tasks that might need them and a little bit of how you can, dare I say, improve your efficiency, which is key. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining me once again. I am always happy to receive your comments, and I just love it when I get those five stars on iTunes. If you have a moment, please leave a kind word. Love it if you click the five stars. Of course, do whatever you think. And if you'd like to reach me, you know you can send me your insights and comments and other ideas at dave at planetoftheagents.com. Look forward to a number of new episodes coming up that I have recorded and that I am recording, and I can't wait to talk about all things insurance agencies with you. Everybody, have a great day. Get out there. You keep selling. Keep growing. And now, remember, keep being more efficient. Take care. Here's our quick disclaimer. Any views or opinions here are provided for purely informational purposes. Nothing is to be construed as advice of any kind. Any mention of insurance in no way implies that there's any form of coverage. Thanks for listening to Planet of the Agents. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a single episode. And head over to our website at planetoftheagents.com to sign up for our newsletter and get even more information on how to grow your insurance agency.